Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Okay, I don't, I've got more pages of notes up here than I think I've ever had. Did you notice that velvet up there? All the night you did notice it. And y'all are all wondering, what does that mean? That can't be good. Well, no, we won't run service any longer. It, it's all on me as to how much of it I, I cover this morning. But this is such, such an important topic. And speaking of Velvet and Scott up there, they do a fabulous job up there. Just a fabulous job. I mean, there's 43 different slides, if we get through all of them today, that you will be looking at or, or reading as we get started this morning. Um, Preaching on marriage isn't what it used to be. When we shared a common faith, we shared a common understanding of marriage, and it meant the same thing to everybody. Can you believe marriage is controversial today? I think it was during the Reagan administration. I may be wrong about that. It really doesn't matter which administration. But I think it was during the Reagan administration, uh, maybe Carter, that uh, they got together some experts, politicians and what have you, to have a conference on the family. And it went nowhere because they couldn't agree on family. They couldn't even agree on the definition of family. That's the result of secularism, progressivism, leftism in our country today. Let me begin, because let me begin with a disclaimer this morning. If you're here this morning and you're living with someone, cohabitating with someone, if you've had a child out of wedlock or several children, if you think gay marriage is okay, if you think gay couples adopting children is okay, if you think having multiple wives or multiple husbands If that's okay, if you think a commune can be a family, if you think it takes a village to raise a child, or if you think a family can be anything anybody wants it to be, if you take pride in the fact that you are open-minded, I want you to know we love you. More importantly, God loves you. And we're glad that you're here. And the last thing in the world I would want would be for you to feel unwelcome or embarrassed. But if you believe any of those things, I need to tell you this morning, you're wrong. I say that lovingly, I say that kindly, but you're wrong. And it's a bad mistake, it's not good for you if you support those things. And there have been some people that have had things happen and they've learned and they've they've moved beyond it and we're not trying to drag up anything from your past to make you feel guilty or make you feel bad. But it's just that as I stand here this morning and I'm preaching on marriage, you know, it's just sad to me that it's a controversial topic. It's important, some things. Let's look at our first slide. Understanding marriage properly is essential to personal happiness and a flourishing society. It is essential. If you get marriage wrong in a society or in individuals' lives, everything else is going to be wrong. 
if you get that wrong. Unfortunately, number two, a misunderstanding of marriage or a non-appreciation of marriage will produce personal anxiety as well as social ills when you get it wrong. That's an undeniable fact. That's not my opinion. That's facts supported by the evidence. Number three, it is therefore critical that we have an accurate understanding of marriage if individuals in society is to reap the many benefits of marriage. Marriage done right blesses people. Marriage done right blesses children. Marriage done right is a blessing to a culture, to a society. Some other things we need to understand. Marriage is not a man-made construct that he can change as he sees fit. Marriage is not a man-made construct that he can change as he sees fit. Marriage is a God-ordained institution defined by God. Okay? And marriage only works as intended when it is applied as intended. When it's done as intended. Marriage has been defined by God since the beginning. For approximately, we could, I guess, guesstimate 6,000 years. You have Genesis 1, you know, the creation. Then right after that, when the primary efforts of the Lord then was to establish man and woman in a marriage. It's of his doing. In Genesis chapter 2. Beginning in verse number 18, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him an help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. For for Adam there was not found a helpmeet for him. You know, he thought, hey, monkeys are funny, giraffes are cool, but something ain't right here. <laughs> you know, that's a cute little puppy dog, Lord. Kitty cats, I guess some people will like them. I don't. That's my opinion what Adam thought. But still, it's just, it's just it, it, something ain't right here. I enjoy looking at them. I enjoy... Feeding them, this is really cool, Lord. You really got a neat imagination, a sloth. Man, never seen anything move so slow. He would later have teenagers, and he would know that they also move <laughs> slow. So it goes on in Genesis 2.21, And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam. And he slept, and he took of one of his ribs, and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, made he a woman, and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, because she was taken out of man. Therefore, here it is, shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. That is the institution of marriage. That is marriage done right. That's at the beginning of the Old Testament. Now let's skip ahead to the New Testament and to our Savior 
He who came to die for us, who loved us that much, he spoke about marriage as well. In fact, he went and referred back to that in Mark chapter 10, verse number 6. But from the beginning, this is Jesus speaking. You know, if we had a red letter edition up here, those words would be in red. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And they twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain, but one flesh. And then he says this. What therefore God hath joined together. It's God's doing. Marriage done right has God at its heart. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. So in Mark chapter 10, and this is foundational to the world, in Mark chapter 10, Jesus confirmed these foundational principles of marriage. He gives the definition of marriage. Number one, we see in this verse that God ordained two sexes at creation. But from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. And by the way, it will stay that way until you die. I don't care how you dress or what pills you take. When you are born a male, you will die a male, genetically, cellularly speaking, or a woman. My heart goes out to people who are confused, and we would offer them all the help in the world. But God made two sexes and two sexes only. And it just shows the foolishness of men that on some forms and some states you can list male, female, or other. There is no other. There is no other. Now, again, somebody that's struggling, and in this culture where we're so inundated with evil and wickedness, no wonder people are, you know, whether they're, they're not under the influence of, in Sunday school, they're, they're under the influence of MTV. And sure, there's going to be people like that. And if you are struggling with that, come see me. We'll, we'll help you. I've done a little bit of study on that in recent months, and we're in a position to give you some, some help. But we see that God ordained two sexes at creation. Then secondly, God ordained that one man was to marry one woman, Verse number 7, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, singular. This, this is the foundational principles of marriage laid down by God that has served this country or, or, or served humanity well for at least 6,000 years. Number 3, we learn God ordained that only in the commitment of marriage could they be one flesh? Only in the commitment of marriage could they be one flesh. Come together as husbands and wives do. And the twain shall be one flesh. So then they are no more twain but one flesh. That's ordained of the Lord. And then number four we see, God ordained that once married, always married. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. That is God's plan. And again, if I could offer a disclaimer, sometimes some people are unsaved and they get married once and divorce and marry again. Listen, at this church, we take you where you are, okay? We take you where you are, and we let you you know that God loves you, and whatever mistakes you've made in the past, God has forgiven that, and we're going to help you to not make the same mistake in the future, or your children in in, in the future to make those mistakes, So the vast majority of people in the world, throughout world history, 
have held to this Bible definition of marriage. But since the late 1800s into the 60s is when it really came into prominence, the idea of marriage has dramatically changed. And there were various ideas about marriage being uh, bantered around today. I'm going to focus today on three. Three different ideas about marriage. The first one would be what we've been talking about, traditional view based on Bible morality, okay? What we've been talking about is, we would call that traditional marriage or the nuclear family. That's God-ordained marriage, okay? That, that's, that's one of the three that we're going to be looking at today. And it's very important for you to notice what I say up here, based on Bible morality. Okay? Based on, by, why do people believe about traditional marriage? Because it's based on Bible morality. Marriage is ordained of God and consists of a lifetime commitment of love and fidelity between a man and a woman. Okay, that's one of the views. That has been the predominant view for centuries. And here as of late, it is becoming a minority view, especially among the younger generation. But that is a, that is a basis from Bible morality. But there are people that, are, that believe differently now. So we go to number two. A secular view of marriage based on man-made morality. Now, if you believe in God and you believe in Bible morality, you can only believe marriage one way. Okay? If you believe in God, you believe the Bible is the word of God, then you're going to believe it's one man, one woman, together for life. So how else can you get out from under that? You have to believe in a different morality. You have to accept a different way of thinking, a different way of doing things. That's secular morality. Marriage is an unnecessary relic of the past based purely on the religious superstitions of man for the purpose of subjugating women, resulting in the acceptance of the ever-increasing practice of cohabitation. Now a majority of Younger people, millennials, believe it's perfectly okay to cohabitate. They're not getting that from Bible morality. They're getting that from secular morality. And then there's a third competing view, which is also a secular view of marriage, based on a man-made morality, that marriage is a social construct that serves a useful purpose in society, but is not limited to one man and one woman, and in fact may be expanded to include same-sex couples. And there's more and more people that are buying into that. If you are a Bible believer and, and, and God is your sovereign, you only get one choice. That's a man and a woman being married for life. When you divorce yourself from God's morality, then you are accepting culture's morality. You're being influenced by society's morality, which is strictly man-made morality. And man can take it anywhere he wants to, for any reason. 
So how have we gone from one definition of marriage to multiple definitions of marriage? You and I are living this out. This this hasn't happened in generations past. It is happening in this generation, my generation. How has that happened? Because there are consequences. Ideas have consequences. And this afternoon, we're going to show you that the progressive ideas today, the leftist ideas, are sinking our ship as a nation. They have consequences. But anyway, why, why are we here? Because we once were dominated by Bible morality, which gave us God's definition of marriage. Number two, now we've moved to a secular man-made morality, which allows for multiple opinions and definitions about marriage. In other words, everybody has the right to their opinion. In our country, we've gone to freedom to be what you ought to be, to freedom to be what you want to be. There's a huge difference there. Because people left to themselves are going to always go down. People tend to be degenerate. People tend to mess things up. Next, we see under Bible morality, we had God's opinion and God's definition, one man, one woman, united for life. But now... Under secular morality, we have multiple opinions, multiple definitions, which would include cohabitation and same-sex marriage. And it all boils down to this, folks, because you and I are going to live this out in our lives. It just all boils down to what morality do you buy into? What morality is influencing you? In America today, we see the definite decline in Bible morality. And in America today, we see definitely the increase in secular morality. That's what's going on. And that's why we see what we see happening around us. You see in this next slide, Bible morality... This is so important right here, folks. This is the heart of what I'm talking about today. This is a different message on marriage. I I told Sharon the last couple days, I said, I don't know how this is going to go, but I'm going with it because it's Bible. Bible morality is based on the Scriptures and accepts the fact that God has established marriage and he defines it in his word as a lifetime commitment between one man and one woman. That is Bible morality. But today, we live in an ever-increasing society where the Bible has been rejected. People think the Bible is the problem, and it has been replaced with secular morality, man-made morality. Man is deciding what's right and what's wrong, or if anything is right or wrong. Secular morality, uh, morality in the denial of God allows man the right to ignore marriage as unnecessary, which brings in cohabitation, or redefine marriage, same-sex marriage, based on man's wisdom. And more importantly today, his feelings progressivism at the bottom of it, leftism today, whatever you want to call it, liberalism today, secularism, 
to a great degree, it's, it's based simply on feelings. Nothing more and nothing less. So let's, let's, let's do this this morning. Let's, let's compare Bible morality and, and secular morality, and this will explain why we have different views of marriage today. This is so important. These next few things I'm going to share with you this morning. This is so important. You, you've got to understand it. The choice today for you and the way you live your lives is either Bible morality or secular man-made morality. Bible, God-given morality or secular man-given morality. And here's the reason why you should appreciate and buy into Bible morality. I'll give you some reasons why Bible morality is best for you, best for your children, best for your grandchildren, best for northern Michigan, best for the world. Number one, Bible morality is external. It doesn't come from within us. It comes to us. It comes to us from God. Therefore, is not subject to man's passions, man's self-interest, greed, fear, lust, or anger. Do you understand that? Man's morality is going to be guided by all those things. We need a morality from outside of us that comes into us. A morality that is external, that comes from God, so it's not affected by us. We're so weak, we're so feeble, we're so wishy-washy. We're so, we're, we're, we've got so many issues, psychological and what have you. How dare we decide what's moral? How foolish would that be? Thank goodness there's a God out there who tells us what is right and what's wrong. Bible morality is external. Number two, Bible morality is eternal. It's eternal. Given to us by a God who is eternal. Therefore is not subject to differences based on location or time. God's eternal, and we know that he never changes, and we can trust what he does. Whereas man, in one culture it may be this way, in another culture it may be that way. It can be one way at this time in history, it can be another way in this time in history. Well, then, then you don't have anything. You don't have anything. Number three, Bible morality is paternal given to us by an all-wise and loving Father who wants the very best for us. Are you following me this morning? I hope it's making sense to you. It made perfect sense to me when I was writing it. Of course, I've always been impressed with me, so that's... I'm kidding, I'm kidding. The morality from God is from a loving God, a caring God. The morality that he offers us is for our best interest. And number four, Bible morality is unifying. It's stabilizing. And it's energizing in individuals, families, and societies. When this country was guided primarily by Bible morality, that's how you would have described this country. You know, unified, stabilized, energized. And now we see everything just falling apart. 
People are getting meaner. People are getting madder. People are getting less patient. Why? Because we've moved away from Bible morality, Bible ethics, if you will. And it's Bible morality that's behind Bible marriage. So, you have that choice. Every one of you in this room, your children, everybody, you can buy into that or you can reject it. God gave you a free will. I'm entitled to my opinion. That's right. What's the other choice? There's only two. There's secular morality. Secular means without God. No, no concern, no regard for God whatsoever. Listen to this. Secular morality is internal. It comes from within man. Therefore, it's subject to man's passions, his self-interest, which can include greed, fear, lust, and anger. There's a real danger in buying into secular morality or secular ethics. Number two, secular morality is ever-changing, subject to differences and variations based on location and, and time. Oh, we'll get to it in a second. Number three, secular morality is impersonal, demonstrating no ability to discern between good and evil or right and wrong. Do you understand that? Secular morality is impersonal. I mean, you, you, you can't make decisions. You can't make de- decisions that um, take into account what's right or what's wrong. I mean, secularists will tell you it's okay to lie sometimes. It's okay to cheat sometimes. It's okay to cheat on your wife. That's that's what you get with secular morality. And number four, secular morality is divisive and destabilizing in lives, families, and society. It is destabilizing. Oh, there's so many places I can go with this today. I need to stay focused. As our country has become more secular... This would explain the non-traditional views of marriage that we, in this country and countries around the world, that have happened for thousands of years. So a question. Is there any way we can determine that the traditional Bible-based view of marriage is better for people and society than the non-traditional secular-based view of marriage? Let me ask that question again. I want you to think about it. Is there any way that we can determine that the traditional Bible-based view of marriage is better for people? It'd be better if everybody, you know, I'm a Christian, I, I buy into it. What I'm saying is, hey, everybody out there, you'd be better off to believe like I do, which is the Bible way. Can I make that case? Is it possible to make that case? Can I say that it is better than a non-traditional, secular-based, man-made view of marriage? Well, look at the effects of secular morality on people in general, as opposed to Bible morality. We can go out into the laboratory of life, and we can test our hypothesis. The hypothesis is that Bible morality is better for people than secular morality. We ought to be able to go out there and test that hypothesis, and we can. So let me ask you a question. Would you feel, and I'm just using them 
as an example here. Would you feel safer and more secure? you got two choices, okay? You're going to have to move. Would you feel safer and more secure living in an Amish community or in an inner city community that's dangerous, drug infested, and gang controlled? Which would you choose? Because they have bakeries. <laughs> they have really good pay. But that's not the motivating factor. That shouldn't be the motivating factor. What's the difference? What's the difference in those two basic communities? What's the difference? Some, somebody tell me, what's the difference? One community is guided by people who have chosen God and the Bible morality. The other community is guided by people who have rejected God and chosen secular morality. Amen? That's the difference. Now, which one of those two moralities do you want to buy into with the view of marriage? Do you think society, culture, families, individuals, and communities would be better served by viewing marriage as defined by God and Bible morality? Or would it be better viewed by, uh, would it be better served by viewing marriage by rejecting God and embracing secular morality? Before you answer that, first consider how these two options have affected the world in general. Again, let's go out these doors and, to a degree, let's go back in time into our world when there's been a choice between Bible-based morality where God is calling the shots and secular-based morality where man is calling the shots. And by the way, they will let you call the shots until he gets out of control. Then one man will rise to the top, and he'll call the shots for everybody. That's a fact. So let's look at that. Think about it, folks. Secular morality gave us slavery. There were people that thought it was okay. I just watched the um, documentary the other day about Wilberforce over in England. And he led uh, England to outlaw slavery. And at that time, that was a big deal because it was, the biggest, it was the biggest part of their GDP at the time in England was the slave trade, Bob. So he had, a, he had something on his hands. When he's trying to outdo slavery, he's talking about pe- wealthy people losing their income. But there were people that believed it was okay. Those people... They weren't the God-fearing people. They're the secular. Secular morality gave us slavery. Bible morality was the force that abolished slavery. Secular morality gave man the idea that women were property. Bible morality rescued women from abuse and gave them dignity and respect. Secular morality gave us German death camps for Jews. It was the nations guided by Bible morality that liberated the death camps. Secular morality gave us abortion on demand. It's people guided by Bible morality that are trying to save the unborn lives. Secular morality will destroy everything it touches. Everything it touches. Am I saying, and let me be fair, Am I saying that every unsaved person approves of slavery and women as property and Jewish death camps and abortion? Of course not. I'm not saying that every unsaved person is as evil as they can be. But they have no moral argument against those things. Do you understand that? 
They can't make an argument against those things. They can't say it's wrong. Because in the secular world, man determines what's right and what's wrong. And if the majority, which gives you the tyranny of the majority, think that it's right, then it's right and you're wrong. So you may not agree with it, but if you're a secularist, you're a leftist, you don't have any argument against it. Because they can do whatever they please. Hitler and the Nazis thought they were doing the right thing. They were quite proud of what they were doing. Marching those men and women into the gas chambers. How could man do that? Left to himself without God? He can do the most horrendous things. All people have in the world of secular morality is opinion, anger, power, cunning, and force. Just using the Amish as an example. The Amish, with their Bible morality, they have issues, they're going to talk it out. Gangs and Nazis and those who defend slavery, they're going to do what? They're they're not going to talk it out, they're going to fight it out. It's two different worlds on two different courses, ending up at two different, uh, two different places where they're just going to fight with one another. Am I saying at the same time that every born-again Christian who does embrace Bible morality is as good and as honest and as upstanding a person as they could be? No, I'm not saying that either. But they have a Bible morality that gives them the best chance of getting there. The people in the world of Bible morality have truth to guide and encourage them to a better life. Truth that is fixed, truth that is unchanging, truth that is tested, and truth that is proven. So marriage today can be defined by Bible truth, Bible morality, or by the idolatry of self. And that's what secularists are. It's an idolatry of self. It is put, if there is no God in their world, then every individual is a God, and that's why they always end up fighting with one another. That's where it always ends up. All that to say this, that we love you, but cohabitation is sin. Same-sex marriage is sin. Secular morality... Man-made morality has never, ever, and never will benefit man. We'll close with these quotes. As Fyodor Dostoevsky said, he was a Russian writer, he was a believer. Listen to this, this is profound. A lot of Amer- I know a lot of Americans, we're just into like cartoons and games. And it's such a challenge for me to stand up and encourage people to think, think deeply about things. As Fyodor Dostoevsky said, if there is no God, everything is permissible. If everything is permissible, there can be no morality because there is no longer the distinction between good and evil. Secularism excludes God. Universals, spirituality, and the transcendent. Do you understand that? You understand that quote, what he's saying there? If there is no God, everything is permissible. And if everything is permissible, then there can't be morality. No morality that is going to 
uphold that which is beautiful, that which is good, that which is glorious, because there's no distinction between good and evil. Second quote, Secular morality leads to moral depravity because at the heart of these inventions is intellectual dishonesty. Dietrich von Bonhoeffer said that you do not believe because you will not obey. That's why people don't want to come to God. They, they just don't want to obey. Like Lucifer, the rallying cry undergirding each and every secular morality is, I will not serve. And then lastly, to pursue the development of secular morality is cultural suicide. The essential problem with secular moralities is that they are wholly human creations, which inevitably result in the continued degradation of civilization. Secular morality is an oxymoron, and if we continue down this wide and easy path, it will surely lead to the end of the great Western tradition. Secular morality will eventually destroy marriage altogether and society if not stopped. It can be proven, and we're going to show you this afternoon. If I haven't made the case already this morning, be back this afternoon because we're going to make the case that the ideas of secular morality are destroying our culture, destroying our society. We honor marriage when we recognize the Bible morality defines marriage as between a man and a woman united together before God for life. Look at it again, Mark chapter 10 and verse number 6. Here's all you need to know about marriage. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and leave to his wife and cleave to his wife. And they twain shall be one flesh, so that they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined together, let no man put asunder. I am absolutely convinced. And this week, God allowed us to be here at this, this time for a reason. And we're either going to sit on our hands and capitulate, or we are going to stand for the truth. Lovingly, humbly, but nonetheless, stand for the truth. America needs what we have. Oz Guinness said, he was quoting me, he doesn't know it, but he was quoting me, when he said, and he said this in his book that I just finished reading, he said, if you want to make America great again, you need to know what made America great to begin with. Have I not said that from this pulpit? And we know it was Bible morality. We need to be excited about the Lord. We need to be excited about our faith. We need to be people of prayer. We need to be people who are living their faith. We need to be people that have enough gumption to be back this afternoon at 1.30, to be here Wednesday night at 7 o'clock and be in Sunday school at 10 o'clock. There's a lot at stake, and it's riding on your shoulders and my shoulders. And either you're going to you're gonna be bold because God allowed you to be living at this time for a reason. And you can lament it, you can regret it, you can stick your head in the sand, you can turn tail and run, you can capitulate because I want to be light. Or you can be part of the solution and part of the answer. I'm excited about what lies before us and the opportunities to share the gospel with people and bring this nation back to God and bring this back to his morality. Let's stand, please, with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. Thank you for listening to today's message. 
We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mile Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.